Welcome back to Moving Forward with Young Voices on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Very happy to welcome Gary Frankel back to the show. Uh, Gary, I think you and I talked education last time we visited, didn't we? Uh, Yes, we did, Brian. I believe it was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was my piece on um, special education students and mask wearing. Yeah, and and you uh, you have uh, kind of got your finger on the pulse of what's happening uh, education wise, um, you know, near and far across the country. I'm looking at this headline and I'm going, okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation. The headline is "Misery: Thy Name Is Baltimore City Public Schools." Wow. Yes. Okay, unpack that for us. So, inner city schools around the country have a reputation of being poor, less property wealthy, lower quality, uh, lower test scores than other districts in the country, especially in wealthier, more suburban areas. But Baltimore is kind of a special case in that the problems afflicting Baltimore's public school system are not related to funding. They're not related to quality. I mean, Baltimore is funded as well as any urban city school district in the country. The problem is just the sheer level of corruption and incompetence at the administrative level that just makes life for teachers and students and lower level administrators who genuinely care about students around the district an absolute nightmare, something that is reflected both in their funding and their test scores. Wow. All right. Now, I'm not trying to fix blame here, but let's uh, let's zero in. What are some of the reasons why this these are are such huge challenges for the system? Yeah. So Baltimore's administrative system seems to be more concerned about preserving their funding levels Mm. than there are than they are educating their students. Uh, One example I give of this in the article, as a matter of fact, is the phenomenon of ghost students. So ghost students don't necessarily refer to ghosts. They refer to students who are labeled. They're registered for classes. They are labeled under the registry. The school district receives tax money for these students, but they don't exist. They're a mirage. They are a front put up so the district receives more money. And in some schools, these ghost students can comprise a majority of their student population, and yet nothing is done about this. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at the article here that talks about how even if Elon Musk were to uh, to drop every last one of his dollars in here, it still wouldn't solve the problem. Yep. Yeah, the, the enemies of school choice and people who don't think parents should have an active role in their child's education – will generally put most of the problems afflicting public schooling today, oh, they're not funded enough, state governments don't care enough. But that's not what's happening here in Baltimore. Um, Like I said a couple minutes ago, they're as well-funded as any urban school district in the country. I mean, I compared the per-student spending of Baltimore City public schools with um, I grew up in a, the suburbs of Dallas, which are considered a traditionally property wealthy area. I compared the per student spending from my well-regarded suburban school district north of Dallas to Baltimore, and they're very similar to each other. I mean, the difference is so minute that there should not be this wide chasm 
that we see between these two school districts. So in Baltimore's case, more money isn't the answer. All the money in the world wouldn't help them because there's this administrative glut, rot, corruption that is hurting all of the families living within district boundaries. And it sounds like we're talking politically driven stuff. So now the question becomes, is there anything that can separate that political power that controls, you know, that lack of school choice? Is is there hope for for the folks in Baltimore? Baltimore is one of those cities that is just overwhelmingly dominated by teachers unions. Mm -hmm. So at an institutional level, Maryland being what it is right now, there's not much hope at the state level, I mean, voters could definitely press for an audit because that's more of an administrative decision. And an audit would be more effective in exposing exactly the degree to which Baltimore's public school system has been abusing the system, uh, abusing the state government, abusing taxpayers, because we don't we know that it's there, but we don't really know the extent of it. And an audit would help on that effort. But that even an audit wouldn't really save kids and families that are already stuck in the school district. So fortunately, uh, Maryland does have charter schools. Um, It's a pretty extensive system in the case of Balt, and many of those charter schools are located in Baltimore and they consistently perform significantly better than the traditional public school systems within the city. Now that's admittedly not a very high bar. If you look at their average GPAs, But for families that need an answer now and pronto, it is one. If you I'm I'm guessing there are wait lists, but, you know, any kind of option, any kind of virtual school, any kind of homeschooling operation, any kind of charter school is probably going to be better than the education or lack thereof that they will be receiving within the city school system. Man, I. I kind of go back and forth between do I, I feel pity, you know, for, for the people who find themselves stuck in a system. Look, this is what you got to deal with. And, and I'm, I feel frustrated for the, the people who who milk uh, or who twist the, the, the levers of power to where this, this all works out for them, but not so well for, for the people who have to work within that system. No, absolutely. The people that are really lost with all of the failures and all of the corruption in Baltimore are the students. It is these families because, you know, any inner city school districts sometimes have a bad reputation, but no, these are people that genuinely want to succeed. They genuinely want a better life for themselves and their children's. And the school system is not only not an asset, in that effort, it is an active opponent. Mm. So I, I am frustrated for these families and for these good principals that want something different. I'm frustrated for them. Um, pity doesn't, I mean, pity, it's just, it's more anger than pity because this, you know, this is the United States. This is the greatest country in the world and we shouldn't have an education system where students are given absolutely nothing so upper-level administrators who aren't in the classroom can just glut their pockets with more taxpayer money. Uh, this isn't the kind of thing that should happen here, and it's infuriating. So, uh, a phrase that I'm seeing more and more, and you're probably right in the thick of this, is fund students, not systems. Can you explain what that means for those who may be hearing it for the first time? Right. So 
when people say that they want to fund students instead of systems, currently, although school finance is a little different state by state, for the most part, it is the public school systems directly that are funded. So the funding goes directly from the state government to the public school system in question. And when people say that we should fund students instead, they're generally proposing something that's called an education savings account. And with an education savings account, the state government, instead of giving your child's allotted funds to the public school system, they'd give them to you directly. And then you could use those funds on any kind of education-related expense that you want. In a couple of states, it's... uh, in West Virginia in particular, and can in some cases be a supplement to your public education. In most other states, it's for uh, private school tuition, extra tutoring on the side, supplies, materials, anything that the parent feels that they need in order for their students to succeed. So it is an effort to put the emphasis on education back in the hands of parents rather than with these bureaucrats who generally won't know your student by name and need. Wow. Well, I'm all for seeing this happen. Um, who are some of the people or organizations that, that are, are moving that effort right now? In other words, if people are listening, they say, you know what, I would put my support behind that. Where are some of the places they could help? i got to shout out my own organization with Chalkboard Review. We um, are very much pushing that effort. But you can also look at the American Federation of Children, Reason, the Cato Institute, the Texas Public Policy Foundation. A lot of these think tanks and advocacy organizations are starting to gather and realize that we have something going here. And if we work together with the current, even with the current political climate, it's something that can be a benefit to American families, both in the short term and the long term. Yeah, I unless somebody has uh, has ventured into the public policy sector and, and seen the the work that goes on, and we're talking you know private or nonprofit work that goes on behind the scenes, they may not appreciate how many people are working tirelessly to solve problems. You know, and I'm talking about the kind of problems that are created by you know politicians that, that get opportunistic where can people Hundreds find of thousands of people it's a real movement where can where can people find your work and follow you on social media so you can follow me on so on twitter at frank Olgarian. i write frequently for chalkboard review and reimagine ed um i appear from time to time in other outlets as well but if you know anybody's interested in seeing more of my work i can be found in those places all right well gary it's been great visiting with you once again keep up the good work i, I appreciate what you are doing Thanks, Brian. Much appreciated.